This morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre, presented by Abe's Door Service, with 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. up on 707 here on your Friday morning. Uh, the all new this morning for Jalen and Daryl and Morley too. Jalen's on vacation as we have talked about uh, in the past and for those of you who just jump in here and now, uh, we are week 22 wrapping that up. Uh, it's only going to be 25 weeks of the all new this morning with Jalen and Daryl. Jalen's going to be moving on to the Edmonton Police Service uh, later on in August. So we have her for a little bit once she gets back from uh, vacation, but then... Uh, We'll be moving on to something brand new. You have heard during the, uh, the, the newscast, both on global television and uh, here on 630 Ched, about the increase, the spike in the number of EMS calls for opioid overdoses. Uh, it's a it's a serious problem. We're at record levels for the number of calls, and especially just here in, in the last month or so, uh, when you look at the stats, it's been sobering to say the least. It's something that uh, someone we've had regularly here on 630 Ched on, in the mornings uh, has noticed long before these stats came out. Dr. Darren Markland is an ICU doctor at the Royal Alex, uh, would certainly see ERs and ICUs, and he put a post on, uh, on Twitter a while back talking about, my intensive care unit is full of those dying from social neglect, and then goes on to explain what that is and why they are dying from it. I want to talk to uh, Dr. Markland this morning. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for taking time again to, to chat with us. Hey, it's a pleasure. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it has been a little That's because we were talking so much COVID back in the days, and uh, we don't talk about that nearly as much. But it, there's, another, <laughs> there's another epidemic, right? It's, it, this is an epidemic, the opioid crisis, the number of people that are, 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 are having overdoses, the, the reaction to it. What are you seeing? And again, we know it's an anecdotal point of view from what you're seeing in your surroundings, but that, that's why I wanted to talk to you. So what are you seeing? Well, it's, it's very well put. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, are, we are in the midst of a, a huge epidemic of people who are literally dying from not just opiates, but it, it's, it's more complex than that. It's, it's from poisonous substances that are in, you know, the opiates that are out on the streets right now. And as a result, you know, like I was looking um, the other day at our, at our census and um, I've got 30% of the people in our unit just the other week were unidentified because they had literally just um, been found on the streets, either barely breathing or not, and brought into the hospital without any identification. And that that's pretty sobering. That is, we... We work in an inner city hospital. We're very familiar with kind of the social ills that we see in this, but this, this I've never seen it like this before. What, you know, and I know that you're, you're in your position, but what do you think the spike can be attributed to? I know you mentioned that there are other toxic chemicals that are in some of the drug supply that's on the streets, uh, but that has been the case before. We've always heard about things being laced with or cut with something that can be uh, even more harmful than the drug itself that we're used to. So what do you think it is? Uh, well, it's a lot of things. It's multifactorial. Um, we're definitely seeing an increase in social distress. If anyone who goes through the River Valley knows that our um, our unstable housed population is huge, and that's partly because of the pandemic, 
where people came into Edmonton for social supports and never left. Um, that has a little bit to do with the economy uh, and a lot to do with kind of some of the social policies that have evolved over the last couple of years to deal with mental health illness, uh, or more importantly, not to. We lost safe consumption sites. Um, supply chains have been completely changed um, by the pandemic. And as a result, we just have all of these factors that are coming together uh, that have amplified this problem. Uh, I'm trying to, to is, is there any way to identify a mortality rate when people come in? Does it depend on what they've taken, who they are, what their health is? I guess it would. Uh, but, you know, you're, they're, they're coming into the hospital. How many actually get to leave under their own steam? That's, again, statistics for this are very tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, we do chart opiate-related deaths, but uh, the data's released three months after the fact, and it's kind of done that way on purpose. Um, we we have data, we just don't want to use it. And that's part of the problem. There's a little bit of hiding the problem under, you know, under fake data or delayed information. And that's why you're seeing us use emergency, the, the EMS uh, call system as a surrogate for what's going on. Who's, oh, hang on, who's the we that uh, don't want to share it? I think society in general uh, looks, tries to paint people with opiate and addictions as bad people, and that's part of the problem. The second that we add a layer of shame uh, to this, we we see people die as a result of not not showing up for treatment. Um, it's it's not pretty. I mean, I know what I do for a living, and I know the people who suffer from these problems. And they're they're not just uh, people who are unhoused. I mean, this opiate toxicity affects all walks of life. Mm-hmm. I see people, rich and poor, who have gotten into trouble by taking a substance that's laced with fentanyl or carfentanil or you know, veterinary tranquilizer. And, you know, uh, an analogy is, you know, if you went to the liquor store, bought a bottle of wine and it was full of methanol and, you know, the next day you woke up blind or in kidney failure. Safe consumption is just a matter of ensuring that there are standards. And so people with problems and addictions, if if we relieve, relieve that stigma from them, they can at least have a chance at, at succeeding or at least going through therapies and getting better. And yet there still seems to be a split on what the best way of dealing with this is. So uh, what's your what's your confidence level of, of change over the next little while? Well, there's science. There's very good science about the things that are helpful. And then there are non-scientific approaches, you know, forced therapy, um, you know, this whole abstinence-based therapy, which we know doesn't work and is, in fact, harmful. You know, part of the reason things are getting worse, the policies aren't based on science, but more dogma. And that's just not going to fly. We have very good addiction medicine specialists uh, in our city, and unfortunately, a lot of times they're not being listened to. Dr. Darren Marklin, thanks for your input. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for, for telling what's going on in your world and your point of view. I really appreciate your time this morning, as usual. It's a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Dr. Darren Markland is a doctor of the intensive care unit at the Royal Alexons. I've been seeing a lot of stuff coming through the ER as well. They're all sort of interconnected. And yes, uh, a huge spike in the number of calls uh, EMS have had for opioid overdoses. 
But we, we talked about some of the uh, the programs that are, are trying to, to address some of it. Do they work or do they not? Uh, one of the things that we heard about is is to get to the people who might need help on the streets. One of the groups that does that is a community outreach team that goes through transit because obviously in the wintertime the transit uh, transit situation was was definitely in the spotlight. So when we come back, we're going to talk about an expansion of that uh, that outreach team and exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it, what they're seeing as well. So we'll uh, chat with the supervisor of uh, community safety in the city of Edmonton, Jenna Pilot, will join us right after this. Door Service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. 717 now on uh, 630 Ched. So we were talking about this spike in uh, toxic drug poisonings and at least the responses from EMS because that's the stat that we seem to have available to us to give us an idea of what's going on in our city. You will remember, naturally, over the winter, the focus that was on Edmonton Transit with the number of people in the cold who were in the transit stations, that there were there were stories of, of, of open drug use there, of people not feeling safe, etc., etc. So a lot of steps were taken to try to improve that situation, not just in an enforcement level, even though you saw more uh, police officer boots on the ground, as it were. A big part of that was just coming up with the outreach teams. Not everything there needs a police response. Sometimes it's a uh, what's called a trauma-informed response, right? And that's where the community outreach transit team has been uh, uh, getting involved in that. Now it's being expanded uh, from four to seven teams. So it means that they should be able to go through the transit system 24-7. Uh, and that is, is positive news, I would think. Jenna Pilot is a supervisor of community safety with the City of Edmonton. Joining us this morning on 630 Ched. Uh, Jenna Pilot, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I am great. Thank good. you. Uh, glad to hear it. Uh, do you organize or uh, what's your role or who does the role? Because I, I, you're not on the street. You're helping in, in, in mm-hmm. create these teams, right? Just give us an idea. Absolutely. Yeah. So the most of the absolutely amazing work that is done is frontline and that is with our Bandero uh, New in Town outreach partners and our transit peace officers. Uh, what my role is more of um my, my team, I would say, uh, coordinates uh, internally and externally. So we really uh, oversee more of the administration, uh, more of the contract, more of the deployment, uh, more of the culture, yeah. um, those very important things when it comes to running any type of project or initiative. Absolutely. But you get the mm-hmm. feedback from those teams that are on the street or in the transits. What kind mm-hmm. of things are you hearing? I'm not sure if you heard our conversation with Dr. Darren Markland here uh, just in the pre Previous segment, he was talking about mm-hmm. just the number of people through social neglect, as he referred to it, uh, both with with uh, toxic drug substances, etc., coming into the ER, the ICU. A lot of people mm-hmm. dying in that situation. What are you hearing from the teams that are on the streets? Yeah, um, well, we're hearing that there's a lot of um, people experiencing a lot of distress right now. Um, there is, they're seeing, you know, um, mental health concerns. 
They're seeing uh, addictions. They're seeing just an absolute need uh, for some of these uh, Edmontonians to be able to be connected uh, to further support that will allow them um, to, absol- to, to actually be able to uh, help themselves. Um, yeah, they're seeing just uh, a lot of distress with a lot of our um more vulnerable population within the transit system. Now, do any of these groups, like we talk about these being uh, transit teams, outreach teams in, mm-hmm. in the transit system, but yes. when you're out of winter time, uh, do, does that expand to some of the areas outside of the stations, outside of the transit oh, areas, mm-hmm. or are you focused mm-hmm. only on transit? Because obviously that's still been a big deal. People are mm-hmm. concerned about their safety on city transit. So uh, tell us where you're focused in on. Yeah, so for the Community Outreach Transit Team, they are specifically focused on all of our transit systems uh, within the City of Edmonton. Now, they do work, um, I would say, like outside the vicinity of some of the transit centres, but um, we have a lot of amazing outreach uh, teams within the City of Edmonton. So what they do is connect and work with a lot of those teams that are maybe serving outside of the transit system so that we can really uh, create a kind of a continuum of care for the individuals that we're working with. So short answer, no, not yet, uh, but there is a lot of teams that do work in the communities that COT specifically works with. Look, yeah, yeah, obviously this is this is important work. There's no argument from anybody, but is it working? Is it making a difference? And, and you know, people tend to be a little skeptical if you're talking to somebody who's organized, and of course she's going to say that uh, it's working and it's doing great stuff. Uh, give us your most honest answer you can, and I know you will, but uh, you know yes. what I'm coming at, right? Absolutely. If you're in the and, of, and you want to be proud of your, your accomplishments, but where are we? Absolutely. I mean... The biggest, the biggest goal is to make the most impact that we can potentially make and help as many people as we can. Um, of course, I'm going to be an absolute optimistic about it, but the reality is that a lot of times when it comes to these social approaches, uh, it's not an overnight response, and it takes quite a bit of time because you're, you're working with different agencies. You're trying to really be able to connect the individual instead of potentially say just giving them you know a number here go call this we're really wanting to walk that journey with that individual so because of that the results aren't seen as quickly but they're there and they're going to continue to be there especially with more teams on the transit system and when we're extending our hours currently with caught as well because it you know, it, I say pilot, we're second year, so we're a little bit past the pilot program at this point in time. But, you know, it's really important that we see what is working with what we're doing and what we could do differently, right? And that is what we're trying to do so that we can actually help and make more of an impact. So, yes, I do think we're making an impact. Do I think we can make more? Absolutely. And I think we're heading in that direction. It just takes a little bit of time. It takes relationships and it takes a lot of our uh, social services to have the ability to be able to, um, you know, take more people or help more people. Uh, Jenna, is this expansion uh, already in place or is that being instituted yes. soon? Where are we at? Yes. So actually, this expansion was granted uh, in February last year. 
um, there was just a lot of uh, staffing changes and challenges that we had. So uh, we are finally celebrating that we are up to seven teams. And this will create more of an expansion. This will create more of an impact. Um, and they are at seven teams, uh, yes, currently right now. Perfect. Jenna, thanks for your time. Good chat. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Jenna Pilot is Supervisor Community Safety, uh, City of Edmonton. It is just about 724. This morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre on 630 Chad. I'll strike it rich. You can pan for more than just gold at this year's K-Days. You can uncover cash prizes and more with this year's K-Days 50-50 in support of YWCA Edmonton. When you purchase a 50-50 ticket, you're helping YWCA Edmonton in their mission to build safer, stronger communities for all. Tickets are available on-site and online from July 21st to the 30th at kdays.com slash 5050.